Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. And today we're kicking, I'm, well, today I'm still kicking it back in Waterloo, Evans Cooling in Kingston. And it's, we've had, we've been blessed with some great weather over the past week and the, uh, mm-hmm. the minimal April showers and the maximal not even a real word there, but the maximal April uh, sun has really been paying off here after this long period stuck inside and being able to go outside safely is just a big relief. Yeah, I know the weather has been nice recently. I think the next bit is supposed to bring some showers, but I mean, you know, the saying April showers brings May flowers, but, um, you know, feel, feel grateful to have uh, the weather we've been having for the past week um speaking of things i'm we're grateful for i mean how about mm-hmm. gary trent jr he just dropped a career high 44 points on 17 for 19 shooting his only two misses were from three against the cavaliers on uh, i believe that was april 11, uh, april 10th he did that yeah yeah no I, we were i was watching the game and it almost seemed like uh, like unreal like but it wasn't one of those um it was it was almost funny to me. It, it wasn't one of those. Sometimes you just know a player is unconscious, and and whatever shot they'll they'll take, they'll hit. This one seemed more like uh, like I was just like every shot. I was like, okay, this one has to be a miss. This, but it kept on going in. No, the, and- the Portland. I was scrolling Portland Twitter the other day to see what um they were they're they're pretty upset that Trent Junior's gone. I mean, Powell's given them kind of what they what they were hoping for but the the people the people online are not happy gary trent jr's raptor or at least that he isn't a blazer no and i mean the thing i want to touch on quickly on this 44 point game is i was watching the previous game before that against the bulls where i believe Mm -hmm. he shot something like two for 12 and around that number that wasn't that great but every single shot he took that game i'm like that's gotta go in like i he had so many in and outs swirling around the rim that just didn't pay off that game. And like right off the bat, he missed three threes that were but all in and out. And he missed those nine points. And I was just feeling like he was a second off. So seeing him explode for 44 points, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, in a super odd way, he kind of reminds me when his shots go up, they kind of remind me of Terrence Ross. Like I was never, I'm super, super conscientious that Terrence Ross never had like a great shooting season and, and never has been a great shooter, but whatever he shot the ball, I was somehow felt confident that it was going in kind of gives me those vibes in a way. But anyways, I want to get back and we can do a bit of like a, a, a we, as the trade broke on the trade deadline, me and you were iffy on it. And then about five days later, when we recorded for the show, we were, progressively happier with the deal and now i think my opinion hasn't changed too much but there is kind of like a uh, a side of the trade that i wasn't expecting to kind of loom and that's trent jr after and of course he's just excited it seems like he's he's gotten along really well with og in particular i mean he rode for him when um during the lakers game during that scuffle but trent had a, a quote along the lines of like uh finally it feels good to be wanted or something and i i don't i didn't fully understand that when i saw it um because like portland seems like a super good environment to play uh 
everyone says Dame's a great leader. And I mean, Terry Stotts is definitely a good coach or he wouldn't have been coaching that team for the past however many years. Anyways, I was like kind of thinking about it more and I looked at kind of his shot splits and I mean, like they didn't, and it's not the Blazers, it's, it's no one's on the Blazers' fault. Like Dame and CJ are both so ball dominant and because that's that those are their strengths. But like, man, like Gary was really relegated to standing in a corner and shooting threes when he was with the Blazers and then guarding the other team's best player. Um, he wasn't like he in Portland in 20 for the first 41 games of the season. He shot the ball just under 13 times a game. Seven and a half of those were threes. Only five were twos. In Toronto, and I know it's a small sample size, he's shot the ball 15 times a game, so basically two more times. But he's actually shot less threes and more uh, and more twos. His usage percentage has grown quite a bit, as has his... Um, you know, assist numbers and kind of he's kept his turnovers the same, but like that's kind of, I'm anyways, I'm going to, I, I was expecting him to be a bit more of a three and D player. Cause that's what we saw with him in Portland. But I, I mean, the, I'm liking this trade even more now because I mean, he clearly himself wants to be a bit more than that. And on a team where like, quite honestly, OG maybe hasn't progressed offensively. Like we, would have liked to see the season and it feels like sometimes the ball needs to be out of Fred's hands. I, I like, this is a really welcome sight and I'll get like on the flip side, Norm, again, small sample size, who was averaging basically 20 points a game with us on 13 and a half shots is averaging 16 points a game with them on 12 shots. So it's like a bit of a, it's a bit of a role reversal and it almost makes me kind of think that, Maybe no one won the trade. Um, or rather, well, Portland definitely didn't win the trade. I'll say that. But maybe that no one won the trade. But like whatever player is on our roster just seems like they'll benefit more, which is kind of an interesting thing to maybe take away from it. No, and something I do want to leave off is I was always high on Gary Trent, but I wasn't sure on the return for Norm from him off the start and I definitely didn't think he'd have this type of 44 point explosion and well I'm not sure if that's going to be the norm I don't think it's a flash in the pan I think we can see these flashes from him throughout the season continuing on well they may not be 30 point nights I don't I don't think it's going to be too much of me to ask to say maybe he's going to have some really efficient 20 to 30 point nights yeah I agree and and to me it's um the other aspect of it was I, I watched him a ton in the bubble. I watched him a ton at Duke and I watched him seasons past, but it almost felt like you knew kind of almost what he was going to be. Like the more I think about it, he, he, he turned 22, 83 days ago, not to get too specific, but um, you know, he spent one season at Duke where his running mates were, you know, he didn't have the ball that much. He was the third, fourth best player on the team. He spends these seasons in Portland where, I mean, he doesn't really have the ball in his hands. Like to me, it's like not even what he's given now. It's just the like potential. Like I just didn't realize that that may have been there this whole time is more my, like my angle of it now. No. And the last question to kind of ask with Gary now is 
how much money are we going to have to pay him come this off season if you know his hype and stock keeps rising through these you know he had the highest ever plus minus for Toronto Raptors he's now dropped 44 points if he keeps on hitting these kind of milestones i'm not saying he's going to be a max player but he might be a lot more expensive than we anticipated mhm he's going to be hard not to keep at the same time especially if you're letting Lowry walk um originally that's why we didn't love the deal it felt like well, if you're going to have to sign Gary Trent for a lot anyways, might as well keep Norm. But um, I, I'm leaning towards, and I don't, of course, I don't want, I don't want um, to sign him to a huge contract, but I mean, like, I feel like I, if, if he was on Denver, I mean, Denver would sign him to a big contract. I feel like if he was elsewhere, people would be a bit more motivated I think we may be underrating not him, but his like I don't know his potential trajectory. Value? Just because, just because, just because we got like guys like Pascal and 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 OG who we care so much about in that regard. We I feel like we almost we're pushing him to the side, but I feel like any other team would be super super happy to have him as their like uh, kind of young three and D guy. And. I wouldn't mind paying him now young at all. We're going to get, as he continues to develop, maybe some of his prime years. And I think he is happy to be in Toronto. Well, I know he's happy to be in Toronto. He just came out saying he's wanted here, which I wanted to touch on more. It was a little odd because even in Portland, there was lots of time without CJ, lots of time with Dame missing from the lineup both seasons where he got even more uh, playing time and even some time in the uh, spotlight. Which also mm-hmm. just added another bit of pause, but to know that he's loving playing here, his dad played here. I'm sure that he, you know, he's embodying that by wearing his number. It's just, a, you know, you'll love to see it. And then as well, I wanted to touch on the Raptors signing Kem Birch through free agency. I I've spoken mm-hmm. on him before. Uh, you know, I'm a big Kem Birch fan, and I think he adds perfectly what you need. How do you feel about this late season addition? I mean, yeah, it's too little too late, but like this is kind of the player we wanted all season. Um, if he stays with us next year, I'll be pretty happy. Um, always also always I swear it's always nice to have a Canadian on the roster too. But no, it's it's just it's it fills the holes that we've quite literally been talking about for it what it feels like ever since the season started in late December. No, and we're going to have the uh, bit of a Quebec block party going on, hopefully, with him and Boucher. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even realize that. Last thing I wanted to touch on in Portland, and it's hard to it's hard to kind of denounce their drafting when they hit on Lillard at 6 and then McCollum at 10, which are high draft picks. They both should be good. But and this is – I feel like this is unfair – but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, now this doesn't raise a point. Every first round pick they've had after uh, after basically Damon CJ, like they haven't they haven't developed at all. They haven't been good at all either. I mean, like Anthony between Anthony Simons, like uh, Nas Little, uh, Justin Jackson, Caleb Swanigan. Like none of them have developed at all offensively, so now I'm almost kind of it's another little bit of interesting thing to take out of it. It's not worth thinking about anymore, but it's just like uh, 
it, it, it's and trading in the NBA is different because it is interesting. I find because every team's so different. It's like teams would never teams hated trading with the Spurs or just wouldn't do it because like they quite literally weren't sure what that player would look like in their system. I mean, the Pacers traded traded for George Hill, who looked amazing that one year. And George Hill is good. George Hill looked amazing that one year on the Spurs, and the Pacers traded their 15th draft pick, which ended up being, I believe, Kawhi Leonard for him. Um, it's it's interesting to see how a player's value can change so fast in the league. No, and it's really... I mean, situation is so important. And we talked about this earlier in the league when I brought up the um, what would happen if we switched Donovan Mitchell and Zach Levine on their teams and how would the conversation around them change. And just mm-hmm. being in the proper situation for yourself and the team realizing who they need role-wise. Like I think another great example is in Denver with how Jeremy Grant wanted more from his role. Although he was a great player for the role he was playing, even better than that, it showed when he moved to Detroit. Aaron Gordon, who's now in that role, is happy to excel in the role. He had his chance to see if he could do it all in Orlando, and he couldn't. Now he's ready to excel in his role in Denver. So I just feel like some of these role fits is just, it's coming down to a lot more of that than it's coming down to that and talent. Correct. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, no, we can move on. The NBA, it feels like it's in the dog days of the season. I mean, you're getting to see a lot of young guys perform well, but it feels kind of like it's it's August in the baseball season, that point in the NBA. And quite honestly, there's not a tremendous amount to talk about. I mean, KD came back from injury, but I think the big news recently and it's not really news, but it's more, they release it every year. I usually get excited about it. It's because it's a fun one. It's um, NBA's best 25 under 25. The insiders at ESPN, uh, I think it's Bobby Marks, Kevin Pelton, and Mike Schmitz. Mike Schmitz is their draft guy. I think Kevin Pelton's just normal NBA analyst. And then Bobby Marks is kind of like a front office guy. I know he used to work with the Nets, uh, basically rank their guys and, and, um, I mean, the list is interesting. I have it up with me. Any initial thoughts? Maybe players who are overlooked or over or overrated or underlooked or underrated, or maybe players who just got left off the list entirely. I mean, one place I really do want to start off is with the high Lamelo Ball ranking at number three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I love Lamelo. I love how his game looks. I think he's a really exciting young player. But to have him at number three, when before his injury, he wasn't even staying on the court in fourth quarter tight game situations for Charlotte, it's just hard to comprehend him being so high this early into his career. While I don't have doubts that he could potentially reach that level in coming coming seasons, just with his small sample size and inability to stay on the court in that fourth quarter, I don't think it's the correct rating at three. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And it's fair to, it's important to remind yourself that this list is not based on current standing, but potential. And I mean, Mel is 19 and a half, basically. But I'm I'm with you on that. I just, I honestly don't mind them putting a guy like, if it is potential, a guy like Mello over someone like maybe a, a Devin Booker or a Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
but putting mellow over a guy like Tatum or Simmons, in my opinion, is just it it doesn't make that much sense. Although there is reason to be excited about mellow. My biggest quarrel with the list is man, Donovan Mitchell at four is super, super high, especially when the list is based off potential. And Mitchell's 24 and a half. I just I just he's like the least it feels like he's the least efficient on this list. Um, or at least the top half of this list list. And he just, I don't know. That seems super high to me. I mean, I'd take Tatum over him. I'd take Fox over him. I'd take Simmons over him. I'd take Booker over him. I'd take Bam out of bio. I'd probably take Shea Alexander. I'd probably take Ingram. I'd probably take Jalen Brown. I mean, I just, I'd probably take I mean, John Morant too. I'd say that's disrespectful. Some of those players, Donovan Mitchell's been in the playoffs since he was a rookie has led this team. And, and what has he done in the playoffs? I mean, Jason, that, you can't say Jason that series Tatum. against Denver wasn't impressive last year. And if they had their full strength roster with Bogdanovich, they probably would have won. Yeah, no, to me, it's just that they, they didn't. And you got a guy like Tatum ranked fifth. I agree with you with Tatum, but I, I don't need to go through your whole list. But like Shy, for example, Donovan can do more than Shy can do. Agreed. This is based off future potential, though. I think best case scenario with Shy, he ends up in the Donovan Mitchell type role. But Huh. Okay. That's fair. Um And how much bet is De'Aaron Fox gonna be able to be better than Mitchell is right now? Will he be able to lead the East and be the number one scorer on the team and I mean in the West and be a number one scorer on the team in the West? I, it's just that I don't know. I, I, I say well, becoming I, the number one scorer on the team in the hardest conference in the league. Is I mean, pretty Fox, high Fox, but Fox is a number one scorer in the league, and he's averaging twenty four points and seven assists on better efficiency than Mitchell. I think. I think Mitchell's he, their situ- he loses games. I agree. Their situations are entirely different. But I like like my, this is my thing with All Star and MVP, which I think you t- tend to lean to agreeing with me. I think we're this. We think the same way that it should. The team success should be weighted. Because it, it's an important factor, but on a list of when it's really just twenty five under twenty five, I think this is a really just future potential. And like, I mean, it's 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 almost it does feel impossible to compare Mitchell and Fox. So I just I just think I'd I'd take uh, Fox on my team before Mitchell. That's the way I kind of see it. Yeah, no, I'd probably take Mitchell over Fox, but at that point, we're just nickeling and diming each other. It's true. Yeah, they're they're probably pretty similar, to be honest. Other quandaries with the list. Um, RJ Barrett just deserved to be on it, in my opinion. Like, definitely over Sexton. Definitely over Lonzo. Um, my other two big ones are John Collins at 22 seems pretty low. I know people are... People have mixed opinions about him, but I just I, I really feel like he he's almost a secret in this league, and I'm I'd really like to see him go somewhere this offseason. My biggest one though would be Mikhail Bridges at seventeen. Um, he's basically again he's Mitchell's age, twenty four and a half, and it's not that Mikhail Bridges isn't really good; it's that Demontis Sabonis. I mean, even like Anthony Edwards, Halliburton, John Collins are all under him. And then this is like my way of thinking that Mikhail Bridges made like 
someone like OG Ananobi, who doesn't make the list. I know he got a vote. Kevin Pelton gave him a vote uh, as the 21st. I feel like he does everything the same as Bridges, but is two basically two years younger, has a better, I mean, body frame, and like way more potential. That's another one I don't fully understand. No, I agree with you. I think I'm not on. I think Bridges is what he is in the same way that I believe Mitchell is what he is. Bridges is what he is, and he's nowhere. What he is right now, I expect more from Tyrese. I expect more from Collins, and the list goes on. Like I, I mm-hmm. expect more from maybe even Edwards too. Mm-hmm. I expect yeah, more well, from Lonzo. I think Lonzo might already be better. I man, I'd agree with you too. I just don't. And if there's any guys who appreciate Mikael Bridges' game and impact, it's probably us too. It just that does seem high. No, and no disrespect. I, I, he's a per, speaking. You know, speaking how how we talk about roles and their fit. He fits his role perfectly, and he's excelling at it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if Chris Paul isn't there this season, then he doesn't make this list. No, his role changes completely without Chris Paul, and the fit isn't as good for him. And we're not even having this conversation. Uh huh. Um, this being said, I mean, we can. We thought we'd do our own little. We're, we're, this is this will be a draft oriented episode i'd say we thought you'd we'd hit you with our own little draft i mean we've already had a couple disagreements um so we might as well share our own opinions with a little draft i think we're going to draft starting lineups um you can they can be positionless obviously we were discussing um but obviously having enough guards forwards and uh, a big man kind of is necessary and we're going to do two bench players and we can see uh, how the teams stack up against each other. So being that the first are pick... Are we drafting like ESPN for potential as well? Yeah, we are. Yeah, for sure. If you want to. Yeah, let's I think I think it's the best way of doing it. So because the first pick is so... We can either do just uh, every, like just alternate or we can do like the first person the first pick picks first but the second person goes two three and then we're we're done doing like snakes so the first book gets one four six eight and then the other person gets two three five seven nine yeah let's do that that makes sense okay um I'm happy going in either direction. I'm happy with first pick. We can we can flip a coin for who picks first. What do uh, you, you got one on you? hand? I have one with me. All um, right, go for it. I mean, as you, you get that coin out, I'll just go I'll go I'll take heads as you flip it. And um the draft strategy for me, I think we'll be looking to just draft for pure potential outside of role. I want players that are gonna grow together and grow well. And the whether that's heads. Heads it is. All right. So I'm gonna take the second pick in the draft. Okay. And so with that being said, I will take Doncic first. And I'm pretty happy with that. I'm more than happy than that with that. I don't I, think we need to discuss that either. Yeah, no. It's it's yeah. I'm sure I'm sure there are people yeah, I'm sure there are people out there and I, I have a inclination to who you'll pick second. 
I'm sure there's a couple people out there who who would argue Zion, but I don't think it's that much of an argument. Yeah, so speaking of the devil, I'm going to pick Zion second overall. And just to speak a little bit on why I'd pick him over a guy like uh, Tatum, for example, with this number two pick, is when we're talking about potential, the way he gets buckets close to the rim and playing in his point forward type, uh, type style with the size and speed and airtime he has around the rim, it's 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 Shaq esque, but at the same time, it's something different. So as far as seeing what he could become, that's what I'm most excited about there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's expanded his game this season a bit too. Like, it feels like he's dribbling a bit better, and he's he's moving well around the rim. Um, I think. He, uh, he could go down as one of the most interesting NBA score, like the way he does it, NBA scores of all time. But yeah, no, there's that was that was the clear one and two. And then with uh, number three, I'm gonna go with Jason Tatum, and just the um, you print out perfect build for NBA forwards, and you get somebody who looks something like Jason Tatum with the three point shot he has, the athleticism, even the great defending abilities, the switchability. He's he's undeniably a great player at 23 years old with still room to grow, I believe. And while the Boston Celtics have struggled this year and he has especially in isolation minutes, I'm hoping this is just a one-off COVID season. We're going to continue to see that growth in years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hasn't, I feel like he hasn't improved as much as maybe think people want him to. But for me, it's like, he was already so good, so young, and he has improved his like assist game and taken more shots without losing efficiency. So like to me, it's like, again, he's 23. He, he's someone who can quite literally only get better. No, and, I couldn't yeah. have said it better. So I'm throwing it back to you now. Okay. So now we'll go one, one, one. Um, I'm going, I'm going Ben Simmons. Um, I don't know. Uh, we know we just spoke about how we listed this off potential and I'm, I feel like the jury is out on a uh, fairly out on Simmons. Like he's never going to develop a jump shot. I don't think um, it's just something he's never going to do, but like even the way he's playing right now, I, he, Every year he's in the NBA for the, his, the rest of his career, he, I mean, he's obviously going to lose his athleticism eventually. He seems like like a, a top four defender or at least top four defensive capabilities. Um, I mean, he's going to be named all, def- all defense for a second consecutive season. Like, I do it. the offense is awesome, but like, man, like the, it, I, to me, it's the defense and even like, when the Raptors play him, I notice a significant different significant difference between when Embiid covers Siakam and Simmons covers Siakam. Like even like when Simmons comes, when Simmons covers Siakam, like there's truly nothing he, he, like Siakam can do. Simmons six ten, and and I do think that his his ball handling and playmaking is still underrated, even though we're almost bored with it now. So for those reasons, I'm I'm taking him for. No, I think <clears throat> I think you're spot on there, and I don't disagree with you at all. And for my pick, I'm going to be looking to fill up my big man position. I think the in the under 
in the under 25 range. There's not as many bigs as there are guards for sure. And that's why I'm going to go with Bam Adebayo. And I think looking back, it's going to be insane to think that he didn't make the All-Star game this year when he's only improved on on his statistics that he's continually improved on every year. Right now, he's averaging 19 points, shooting 56% from the field, 80, uh, 80, uh, 82% from the free throw line, a huge improvement from only 69% last year, a block game, and I don't see why he can't keep getting better. He's looked unbelievable this year. He's taken on a much bigger role, and he's excelled at it. So for that reason, and that only, I think he's 23 right now, he's got lots of room to grow. You're currently talking to a guy who invested in five Bam Adebayo rookie cards. In a weird way, he's the most underrated player in the league. I like as ridiculous as it sounds. I swear it's true. He only shoots the ball like twelve times a game. He ends up scoring. I mean, nineteen points. There's no one who like actually. I swear does more for his team, but like is kind of overlooked in a weird way. Without than Bam, like. Without Bam, that team all of a sudden like has such a big like hole down there. I mean, it like it's almost like I'm almost excited and and man, like underratedly, like five and a half assists for him this season, that's a lot. Twenty-three player efficiency rating, six point six win shares. I think he's he's upwards leading to leading the league in the win share categories. Um yeah, and Kind of a in a in a age group that's not too heavy on big man. I think that that could have ended up being that will end up being probably the best the best pick in this in this draft. For reference, uh, Bam ranks uh, eighth in the league with win shares at six point six. James Harden, who people are now claiming to be the MVP and win shares is a tell all stat, but it is a good one. James Harden's at 6.8. Giannis at 7.6. And uh, I mean, guys like Donovan Mitchell's at six. Stephen Curry's at 6.1. So yeah, no, I, I'm on the BAM train. I think you just won the draft with that one. Okay. I got to recoup. There aren't, like you, like you said, there aren't great big men. The next kind of really good big man is like one of Sabonis, Allen, or I mean, you can go Aiden, but I don't want to. Um, I'm gonna go guard heavy. Right now, it's between Shea and Lamelo for me. No Jalen Brown, eh? Not yet. No. Not yet. Uh, I got I got Doncic and Simmons on my team, so I'll take. Hmm, this is a tough one. I mean, when you're debating between Shea and Lamelo, you're debating between two guards with great size, great passing ability. I mean, both of them look to have a great shooting touch as well, and the amount of things I could just put great in front of and then say they're say x skill the list just goes on and on Mm -hmm. and you know what i'm gonna i'm reverting my attention somewhere else and i'm gonna feel like you may be looking there with your next pick so i I may just end up scooping up whoever you don't pick but i'm going i'm kind of matching your jason tatum to me he's just tatum except kind of slightly worse at everything but like 
that's almost an endorsement more than anything because, I mean, two minutes ago we were just praising Tatum like he's a god. I'm going Brandon Ingram here. I just, I, he's too talented. I honestly don't know how much better he's going to get, but every time I watch him, I just, I feel like it may never happen, but he has a serious chance to be like a top five player in this league. Kind of like when you watch Tatum, I don't think it will ever happen, but I, 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 I think Brandon Ingram is that good. No, I think you've made a great selection here. And like you said, you're, you're drafting right where I'm thinking. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to be, I guess, surprised by this next pick. And I'm going to go with um, my boy Michael Porter Jr. at 22 years old only, averaging 17 points a game with a 540 field goal percentage, almost shooting 50% from three. And I mean, recently he's just been going off. His defense, which was a subject of discussion during the bubble, I think has come around and he is now a competent on and off ball defender. I'm not saying great by any means, but he's not a net minus at this point who's being consistently hunted. His size and shooting ability is undeniable. And I think barring any major injury, he has a very, very high ceiling. And we're only seeing the bottom of it right now. Yeah, his ceiling is undoubted. I mean, people feel kind of split on Porter Jr. Like, I know myself, I would have looked to, to him about five picks later. Like, even in the guys who voted, he ended up, his position ended up being 14 amongst the 25. But Sean Marks had him at number three. So that's ahead of Simmons, Booker, all those guys. Super, super high. Pelton, and then Pelton and Schmitz both had him at 18. So he's a bit of a, like, divisive character in a way. But, I mean, like we've been saying, we're drafting off potential. And, I mean, off potential, that draft pick. I mean, you can't get much better than that draft pick, I don't think. No, and I think it's almost ludicrous to look back at some of the deals he was being shopped around and talked about in the deadline. And with none of them, they were going to get fair value back for him. Yeah, you're right. The Beal one is still the one I I, I think. Noted, noted. Yeah. Other than that, though, I totally agree. Like, it wouldn't, the the Wiseman stuff didn't seem worth it or any of that. so I feel like a couple of picks ago, I was just talking about mellow or mellow or SGA. And we could have all, I could have also thrown Fox into that equation, but kind of looking at my roster now, we got Doncic who, who, I mean, it would be criminal not to give him the ball all the time. Um, Simmons, who obviously strives with the ball in his hand, especially fast break. And then Ingram, who also is a bit of a creator. So I feel like I don't want to take someone who's necessarily, too ball dominant someone who can maybe stand out on the perimeter and shoot a bit so i'm i'm gonna take booker i'm not the biggest evan booker fan but like he wasn't able to do much before cp came but i mean his his scoring ability is undeniable um you know i'm my defense it, it takes a bit of a hit with having him and Doncic on the floor at the same time, but um, I feel like my offense at this point, it's a well-oiled machine, so I'm, I'm going Booker. I mean, I don't love it, to be uh, quite frank. I think I would have probably taken Jalen Brown, Shy, or Donovan Mitchell ahead of him, but at the same time, 
I think he for what you uh, for what you're drafting him for as far as your team needs for shooting. I think that's a great pick in that respect. Mm-hmm. With the first pick, like if I was choosing to have any of my team, I agree with you. I think Booker may just fit in the best with my team right now. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I definitely I'd I'd may maybe rather even like a Mitchell over Booker. Definitely a Fox and a definitely a Fox and a SGA and a Jalen Brown though. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know Booker. Booker feels right. All right. And with that being said, I think there's so many guards here at this point where I'm having trouble deciding. So I'm going to stick with what I was saying earlier as far as to if any of these guards reach the potential. Well, I think as I've given more thought to kind of the potential aspect, I do think that Shea could potentially be more than Donovan is. And actually, and while that is the case, Donovan, I think, has the edge as far as I don't know if Shea will ever be the best guard on a team that's leading the Western Conference. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell with this pick. The reasoning is solid. The reasoning is solid. Um. Okay, and that, I'll I'll just I'll be your foil then. I'm going SGA. I mean, he's shooting forty two percent from three. He's young too, twenty. He's twenty two years old. Um, I think he's like one of the only eight players to average at least twenty three points and five assists on over sixty percent true shooting. My thing with Shea, and it raises kind of a good point because Donovan is thriving in a good situation, and they're winning. Like, and Donovan has been winning ever since he entered the league, and not all players can win. With Shea, it's like you could argue, and I'd I'd even argue that because there's such kind of not garbage, but nothing around him that you know his numbers feel a bit elevated. But to me, it's like he's young, like really young, and he's not in like not just in a bad situation, like or excuse me, I think he's in a good situation, but like his teammates aren't just bad. His teammates are. Are, are kind of really really no ones and to be like not hot like my point is that if another player was in this situation like maybe like a zach levine for example i feel like they'd just start hucking becoming in a, like an efficient shay's the opposite his effective field goal is, is is at 571 which is super high for you know the 6-6 basically combo guard that he plays um and again 24 points a game on six assists and five rebounds, they're basic stats, but they're. I feel like if you showed people these stats on the streets, they'd be surprised that it's it's Shea putting them in. So I, I'm I'm going him off of potential and what he's shown. He's another one where it, it feel it feels like he can only get better as well. No, I completely agree and. Now I'm in a position where I'm really trying to cut hairs between these remaining guards. So I'm looking at Trey Young, John Morant, and a Jalen Brown, as well as a um, De'Aaron Fox. And I'm trying to think if, as far as Trey Young, he's got unreal potential, but how much better is he realistically going to get than he is right now? Which is crazy mm-hmm. to think at 22 years old. Has he maxed out? Yeah, but like, like 
I think you you have something there because they said okay. I mean, the first year in his league, the league, the Hawks were just terrible, and he put up numbers and looked good. And the second year, they improved a bit and and he put up more numbers, but the Hawks looked really bad. And now coming into this year, and I know they've made a bit of a turnaround recently, but they've surrounded him with really good players, and it just like it doesn't, and it's like not necessarily a knock on him. It, he just doesn't feel like he's ever going to reach the like the upper echelon. I think I think he's really good as I think he'll kind of hover around a fringe all star for the rest of the career. For me, it's just the the why choose a guy like Trey when you can just choose a guy like Lamelo who they give you different things on offense, but like Trey's defense is it's non-existent and it's not even like his fault. He's just really small and, and that's not always great. Did I miss it? Did you not draft LaMelo ball? I did not draft him. I was going to draft him next. Well, I thought you had picked him. So with that being the case, I'm going to go with LaMelo ball with this pick. Yeah. Yeah, I was and, I was waiting for that. Yeah, no, I think as all the things we dis- uh, discussed at the top of this segment all remain to be true. His size is undeniable. His just the excitability of his game and what he could potentially do on the court. I think he's gotten a lot of people enamored because there's only a couple players who have really been hyped up their whole life and have seemingly lived up to it. I mean, Mm -hmm. we can look at, well, this is a very vast example. I want to uh, talk about maybe LeBron, for example, and the type of media attention he got, because that's the only player I can think who from such a young age got as much media attention as LaMelo did. And he was even under more scrutiny, more weird situations, and just he's excelled through it all. So there's something that's just created this kind of, I mean, I don't know if I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses, but. I feel like everybody wants to see him succeed, and I think everybody does believe in it as well. After seeing what we've saw uh, seen through the season at this point, before his injury. Yeah, to add to you your point, I feel like there's been three players who, even before entering the league, have been hyped up like it, not necessarily for their skill, but for for everything. And that's like you mentioned, one LeBron. And then I'd go to Lonzo and then three LaMelo. Um, man, it, it, to me, it's like everything you heard about LaMelo, everything you saw and questioned, it just turns out that the people saying LaMelo would be this good the whole time are just right. Like he's not showing you anything that you feel like he couldn't do. He's just, and turns out he's he's really, really, really good at basketball. And I swear when March Madness was going on, I I... I saw some mellow news on my timeline. It didn't, it didn't, doesn't matter. But my thinking was, you know, what his hype would have been like if he was in college. And, and I feel like he also like his pick, uh, uh, like his pick spot would have been different. I think, I feel like it would have been raised higher than three, but yeah, no, but that that's, that's probably the biggest value anyone's gotten out of this draft so far. Mellow that deep, that late rather. Yeah, no, with my second last pick, I definitely don't regret it. <laughs> Nor should you. All right, I do not have a big man yet. <sighs> that doesn't phase me. I'm going 
I'm going with a, who I feel like is is the best player on the board. I'm going with Darren Fox. Um, I mean, I, I drafted Shy as my fifth player to round out my uh, kind of well, I dropped him as my fifth player and as my kind of main point guard because, I mean, Doncic and Simmons and Booker could all be classified as point guards, but I, I don't have any true point guards. Um, I just feel like Fox is now the best on the board, and it's a shame he does fall under the kind of, um, well, if he's not winning, then how could can he possibly be? It, it is true. But um, at the same time, the Kings are are truly, truly a mess of a franchise. Give him a bit more, and I'm curious what he can do. But uh, quite honestly, like um, he didn't deserve to be drafted that high. At the same time, he just we don't know fully if he's going to end up like like a, a young and and be maybe of an empty stats guy or like I know this is early, but Lamella Ball, where he really impacts impacts the game on when he's on the floor. I think that's a good pick there, and I don't think you're wrong for skipping over a big man at this point with Collins. I think definitely going to be available for you with the last pick here. And that was my thinking. I'm thinking between Jalen Brown and Colin Sexton, uh, Colin Sexton at this point. I'm not sure where you stand exactly with Sexton, but as far as a guy who has the attitude to grow and then has shown the ability to continue to grow and excel in his role, I think he's done both of those things. Mm-hmm. I like Sexton too, but I don't think there will be a point in our lives where we're calling Colin Sexton the leader of a good team. I think there's a point in our lives where we could be calling John Morant uh, or you know Jalen Brown. Not- yeah, uh, the leader of a good team. So just that doesn't. I I like Colin Sexton, but that seems like a bit much to me. No, I, I I'm I'm I feel like you. I'm glad you brought up the John Morant point because while he's having a not a, not a great efficient season this year, he still does undeniably have an impact on winning. But with that being said, even though Jalen Brown, I think. I don't know if he's even reached his potential yet. He's gotten better every single year. He continues to have that grind mindset. So I've just talked myself into this Jalen Brown pick right here with my final. Yeah, I'm extremely happy with Brown with my seventh pick here. Yeah, I I, I think I think Brown was I think Brown actually right now is is by far the best player uh, on the board. I I totally agree with that one. Um, my final pick. Uh, it's going to be John Collins. Uh, again, not a lot of big men. Sabonis is awesome. Um, but again, we know exactly what he is at this point in his career. Uh, so I'm going to add a little excitement to with John Collins. I feel like my team is very... Um, we don't have... It's pretty positionless is what I, what I, what I feel like. No, there's definitely going to be some switching going on and having Luca to add that size... Helps. I'm breaking down my team's starting lineup right now, and I've got I've got um, Mitchell, Tatum, Porter Jr., Zion, Bam, Lamelo, Brown, and then so what's uh, that? So what's that starting five look like? Is my is my question? You see, for the starting five, I know I've got Mitchell at point guard. And then for shooting yeah. guard, I've got to decide between Tatum or Brown. Well, I'll go Tatum at, at shooting guard, 
And if we're dra- going by potential, I'll, have, um, I'll probably keep I'll keep uh, Porter Jr. at small forward, and then Zion at power forward, and Bam at center, with Brown and Lamelo yeah. off the bench. The front court is crazy. The the Tatum, um, Zion, uh, Bam. I don't know. I don't know if you can create that much better of a front court. But um, yeah, no, the backcourt is decent. Um, I th- I'm trying to think what I I think my best combination, and the only you know locked in positions would be Doncic at the one, and then Booker at the two. But I'd go. I'd probably go Ingram three, Simmons four, then Collins five with with Shea and Fox off the bench. I think that that may be the way mine worked out. I don't know. I feel like you have a lot more talent than me. And your five. I don't know if I'm ready to crown myself the winner, but I think getting that BAM pick and then sneaking out maybe LaMelo near the end as well as Brown, just as far as those later round value picks, edged out Fox and um, who else did you grab there at the end? Uh, Collins. Yeah, and Collins. Yeah, no, I think the BAM pushes you, definitely pushes you over the edge. But I think even without that, I think... I think I think you got me on this one. And with that being said, the future of the league is looking extremely bright in these players' hands, and I honestly can't wait to see how Doncic and Zion continue to grow, and if there is kind of a battle for the king of the NBA, does Giannis take that over? Because we only know how many years that LeBron has left up at the throne. Yeah. Yeah, my question is, do you think, and it's like it's it's like the age-old debate, which I still like thinking about, especially when we're talking about like young players and their future. So LeBron, whether LeBron is still the best player in the league is is kind of unimportant. Uh, whether he'll, but whether he's going to be out of the league or at least out of the top in three years, and then I'd like to think Katie Kawhi will be at really the end of their primes but still in their primes and then and then you have for me i mean harden's all would also at that point be at the relative end of his prime um you got Giannis out of the kind of the Doncic, Jokic, Doncic, Doncic, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, Zion, I feel like I've kind of named all the big candidates. I don't know if you want to put Cade on there, Cunningham, who looks like I don't know. He's really impressed me. But who do you think will be? Because it's LeBron's. I mean, been the you best could player. maybe like, put Jimmy Butler. Uh, no, no, he's too. No, nah, I, I, I'm, I'm not with you on that one. I'm not going to lie. But it feels like for our lifespan, LeBron's been the 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 number one for the entire time. Who do you? Who do you? I've, I have no clue who the next number one is going to be. No, and I felt like I felt like we were so sure about Doncic and so sure about Zion just because we've always been looking for that next thing and people are obsessed with potential. Yeah. That I mean and the the thing with the next thing is that we people are already done with Giannis who's having another I think MVP worthy season. Mm-hmm. Not not that he's the definite winner at this point, but at least should be in the conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jochik as a uh, top player to continue in time. I mean, it feels like the media almost doesn't want him. He's 26 years old. He does legitimate. When I say he does everything, it's not an understatement. 
I don't know. Correct. But at the same time, it's going to be exciting to see who grabs the mantle and as well who the NBA wants to grab the mantle because that will also be visible. Yeah, that will play a huge factor. I agree. Um, the more I think about it, the more I kind of like the Jokic one because, he, I mean, he'll be doing what he's doing now for the next however many, like it feels like six years without he any He doesn't rely on athleticism. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, that's saying, that's putting it lightly. Um, and then for me, okay, honestly, you can, at the end of the day, you can just game plan against, I'd, I'd put it between Doncic and, and Jokic. But like, honestly, now that we're having the, this conversation, I feel like the two biggest things to take out of it is that, or I guess it's really one, there, there will probably never be like, um, I mean, there will be eventually, but we don't know who it is right now. And they may not even be in high school or past high school. But like, I swear every show, every point in the show, I remind myself at one point how good LeBron is and how much we take him for granted. Realistically, there won't be like another like can like consensus one for a while, maybe after LeBron. So this conversation in a way almost feels like oddly premature. No, and as far as people talk about and when they do become the one, there'll always be the comparison back to, well, is he better than LeBron was? And there will always be no. I mean, there's a point where he might start saying yes, but as time goes on, LeBron is going to start being held in the same sort of accord as Jordan is. And there'll be probably some more settled goat debate after LeBron's career finishes out. Either he could finish out as a really tight conversation for number one, which I think it already is. He could even become the definitive number one or the definitive number two. But I don't see anybody taking that spot away anytime soon. And even these players we talk about who could take the mantle, they would start needing to have consistent success now. Oh, right now. And and less of it, yeah. That's the thing, like, unless if Doncic is making the next nine finals, which isn't happening, like, like it, it, it's, feels like, Le- yeah, feels like, unless if you, in your third year, or like a, a top four player, you're like already behind the race. And LeBron came out of high school, which we forget about as well. That's another good point. Yeah. Like, the, it's, it's, it is crazy to think about, like, um, like Tatum's like 23 and it feels like he has only and I mean Tatum's not a great example because he's he's just would never reach that echelon but like Doncic's only 22 and yeah he is probably like a top top like six seven eight player but like LeBron at 22 was 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 a year away from making the finals with a terrible team and I mean yeah I got swept by the Spurs but still like it it's it's this is crazy to think about no I, I always like we've taken the, the time off. here to kind of cherish LeBron and the career and longevity he's been able to have and the entertainment he's provided within the league. And it's because of LeBron. You can say what you want about Brooklyn, but without LeBron going to LA and joining Anthony Davis, I mean, two unbelievable talents, we don't see a super duper. I mean, I want to even say a super duper team over in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, and I don't think you see the Warriors either. So the Warriors with Durant at least. So yeah, I think that's a good way to end this off. Yeah, no. So to give LeBron his kudos and um, I hope you guys are, I hope you all are enjoying your morning. You are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM.
Paragon Cause. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388. 